Okay, good morning everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Mem Beis in Maseches Sukkah. And we start four lines up from the wide lines on Mem Aleph Amad Beis. We had just said, as Andrew Singer astutely points out, by the way, Mazel Tov to Panina Singer, who got engaged last night. So, may Yibizachar build by Islam be Israel. Sounds like it's going to be in Israel. RBS, cousins. All right. So, we had said the, chav, the chavivus, right? The, uh, the joy and love with which our forefathers and, our, and Chazal would have for the mitzvah of Lulav. So what Marbar Meimar said to Ravashi, that his father loved the mitzvah of Lulav so much that he would hold it in his hand while he's davening. Now, typically, the uh, issue is going to be is you're not necessarily supposed to hold stuff while you're davening. Meisvei says the Gemara. These are items you're not supposed to hold in your hand while you're davening. Is this because it's going to uh, disturb your davening, or is this because you're going to drop? Let's see. You shouldn't hold. You're obviously supposed to wrap it around you, but you're not supposed to hold the tefillin in your hand. Or your safer Torah. Why are you davening? What would be the reason? Right? Because he's going to be preoccupied he's not going to want to drop the Sefer Torah or the Tefillin. And that will, as Rashi says, going to distract him from his davening. Okay. With your Tefillin in your hand, you also can't urinate. Why we're talking on the topic of Tefillin. You shouldn't sleep with your Tefillin on. Um, not a nap, not a, not a real sleep. And adding to the list of the Brisa, Shmuel says... We also will talk about knife, plate of food. These items are also things that you're go- that are going to distract you, okay, from your concentration. Even if they're not tashmishe kedusha, as it were, it doesn't have to be a safer Torah to distract you, right? If you have something that's dangerous to hold or that's valuable, it's going to break. That's going to distract you from your tefillah. So how then could Amema have been holding the lulav while he was davening? Shimon Esrei, would he not be concerned about the lulav falling? And therefore be distracted from his davening. So says the Gemara, Hasam lav mitzvah ninhu. All those other cases, even though a tefillin, right, mind you, you're not wearing the tefillin, you're holding the tefillin. So even though tefillin and Sefer Torah are certainly Tashmisha Kedusha, obviously, it's not a mitzvah to hold them. But here, vitarid bahu. So therefore you're preoccupied with him. Listen to this. Hacha mitzvah ninhu velo tarid. As Rashi explains, because it's a mitzvah to hold it in your hand, it's not a burden, but a joy. Ah, right? If you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. If you're, if you're loving, if you have the joy and the simcha of, of doing the mitzvah, of holding this item, right? Rashi. It doesn't weigh heavily on you because it's a mitzvah and therefore it's no trouble at all. And therefore, you're not preoccupied. So it turns out, as the Gemara says, according to Rashi, the preoccupation we're talking about is you're nervous about this thing, it's making you stressed out, but if it's a mitzvah, you're so happy that it can only enhance your davening. Wow. Okay, aren't you afraid you're going to drop it? Not really. Why would you drop it? Okay. Um, Ritva went kind of a little bit in the other direction, but it's not, it's not so much for now. It's just that... Uh, he would say that the opposite, right? That wouldn't you think that if you love the lulav so much, you'll be more preoccupied? So it means that since it's a mitzvah, 
then your love for the mitzvah might actually somehow channel your kavanas towards more towards shemaim. So you're sort of like enhancing the prayer, not because it's light for you to hold the lulav, so to speak, but because the lulav is reminding you of what you're doing and you're davening and you're avodah Hashem, and so you're channeling it that way. Okay, be that as it may, that is how you right justify holding lulav while davening. Okay, lotarbo. So now we have a similar practice that's quoted in the brisa. Tanya, Rabbi Lazar bar Tzadok Omer, Right. Um, this is five line, uh, six lines up from the bottom. Yerushalayim used to hold the lulav in the hands when they left the house. They go to shul with it. Um, they would right do kriyashma and tefillah with it in their hands. They would read now when they would read from the Torah. Or duchin, then manichal gabe karka. They would have to put the lulav on the ground temporarily because you can't do nesias kapayim with a lulav in your hand. It's weird. You certainly can't, uh, right? You need both hands. Anything that you need both hands for, they'd have to put it down. However, then they would go and when they would do bikacholam and nichum avelim, they would have the lulav in their hands. How do you do nichum avelim on yantiv? Don't you think that there is no such thing as nichum avelim on yantiv? Does not yantiv stop shiva? Well, uh, that is a halachic controversy. You have to look at the rush They're in, uh, right, in the third parak of Moed Cotton, where all you get, you get all those hilchos avelos from there. And certainly there, the, the, the psak is that it, we do not, right, have a shiva house on Yantav at all. Rahman al However, that was not necessarily, right, the Rambam, and that's not necessarily the, the, the uh, halacha in the time of the Gemara, and therefore this Gemara becomes a data point as to the status of Shiva during Yantav. Be that as it may, he's walking with his lulav everywhere he goes. Everywhere except for where? Nichnas lebeis ha-medrish. Mishager lulava biyad b'no biyad avdo biyad shlucho. You give it to, you give your lulav to your son's servant or, or your shaliach, because why? The last... Um, Rashi on Mem Aleph Amid Bey's Goranowitz is a classic Goranowitz moment, moment. Moser moment. Why is it that you can take your Lulav anywhere you go, but not to the base Medrash, says Rashi, Tarid Bishmaisa Viyipol Miyatav? Because you're so engrossed in your learning Goranowitz that you're, because you're so into it that you'll lose, you'll lose concentration and you'll drop the Lulav. So for that, that reason, that is the one place of all the places where they didn't bring the Lulav because you need your hand to do that, that sweeping motion with your thumb when you get a good svara, okay? And so you'll need both hands if it's a really good svara. There you go. All right, so says the Gemara, my Kamash Milan, what do we learn from all this? Obviously, Kama use reason but mitzvahs to show how much they love the mitzvah. Now, obviously, there's, you could tease Lomdas out of this. Is it really a mitzvah once you already did the, the shaking? So Rabbi Gross wants to say, Shlita wants to say that, uh, that perhaps there is a continuation of the mitzvah. He likes to say he gave a shir on Sunday. That it's the, the netilas lulav, according to at least some shitas, is you pick it up and that's the beginning of it, but maybe it has a continuity to it. And so holding on to it is not just, uh, well, you could say one of two things. Either the mitzvah is continuing or you could say you love that mitzvah you did so much, you're kind of holding on to it. But Can you walk around with the whole day like well, it's exactly, that's exactly what the Gemara was saying. That's what the Anshe Yerushalayim used to do. The Briska Rav used to, uh, you could see how this might, this is a beautiful thought, Anshe Yerushalayim, don't forget, 
Yerushalayim and Beis Mikdash perhaps had a different status in terms of carrying the lulav all day in the time of the Mikdash than the rest of the rest of the country, right, and the rest of the world, because it was Simcha Bifnei Hashem all seven days was unique to the Beis Mikdash. So there is also some 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 uh, uh, ink spilled over here on the issue of whether this is specific to Anshe Yerushalayim or not because of the simcha that's associated with Yerushalayim. May we all be zochir to see Yerushalayim abnuyah b'yameinu b'mer b'yameinu. Okay. So now, the last line of Memalah from Beis. Two dots. Totally, you know, talk about mitzvahs. I was reading a book they have yeah. out there about leaving uh, a holy city. Is it an Isser to leave, to go down? To, to, to leave Eretz Yisrael? Uh, uh, you need to have a good reason. Okay. So you need to have a good reason. So let's do the last line on Mem Alpha and Beis. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Yomtiv. What do you say? That if Sukkot fell on Shabbos and you carry the Lulav, right? You don't have to do Chatas again because you were so tarred in the mitzvah. So Amar Abaye. Abaye said, Lo shanu The Mishnah is only talking about where he had not yet done uh, the mitzvah with the Lulav at this time. Which is to say, right, so this is, again, we're going to have data points in both directions. Um, but again, this, this part of the Gemara implies that once you lifted up the Lulav, you were Yotze with the Lulav. And therefore, if you were already Yotze with the Mitzvah of Lulav, so then you cannot justify carrying it around. In other words, the Mishnah had said that if you have not yet done the Mitzvah, then you're Torah to be Mitzvah, right? You're so preoccupied with performing the Mitzvah of Lulav that Chazal's going to say, you know what, we're not going to be Mechaiv Yukarban Chatas for inadvertently walking Dalai Lama's Mishusarabim. Okay, but that's only if you weren't Yotza yet. But once you were already Yotza the Mitzvah, you can't say that you're preoccupied with it. And therefore, even though you're running around and you love it, you're not going to be exempt from the Korban Chatas uh, if you do that. So the Gemara says, So what do you mean? What then is the scenario where you weren't Yotze? Aren't you Yotze in the mitzvah of Netilas Ulav from the moment you picked it up? And therefore, what would the scenario be where you're walking around, and you were not yet Yotze? What could be possibly the scenario where you're allowed to, right, or where you're not going to be high of a carbon chatas because of your preoccupation with the mitzvah when you walk around with the lulav? Is there a tefillah you say before you put on the lulav? In the art scroll, they have a, they have, they have a l'shem I think, in the art scroll. But it's, it's not, Meikar Adin, the main thing is over l'asiyasen to say the bracha. So, right before you, you pick it up. So, the question the Gemara is asking is, when is there a scenario where you do not, uh, where, where you are, have not, where you're walking around with the lulav and have not yet performed the mitzvah? After all, haven't you already performed it the minute you picked it up? Says the Gemara, Amar Abaye, Kshehavcho. Right? This is where Tosfos it gets, gets uh, involved with the topic, Top Tosfos Membeis Amar Aleph, Mit the Itzrich Lashnui Hachi, Mashma the Svirale, the mitzvah, Ain't the Svirchos Kavana. What? What does it mean? What does it mean? What? Kshehavcho? Uh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't say Pashup Shat. Pashup, before I jump to Tosfos, I should say what it means. Pashup Shat is Kshehavcho means that you picked it up as you may remember customarily. We'll do it soon, Bezat Hashem. You picked up the Esrog upside down. Ah, that's what we do. We have a conundrum. The second we pick up the Lulav, we're Yotze. But we have to make the bracha, as we just said, before we pick up the lulav. So if we make the bracha while it's still on the table, that's called oiver de oiver. It's not, 
right? It's like when you make a bracha on the drink, you want to hold the drink in your hand. So you make a bracha on the mitzvah, you want to hold the mitzvah in your hand. But once you're holding the mitzvah in your hand, it's already done the mitzvah. You're supposed to make the bracha before you perform the mitzvah. So what do we do? What does Tosva suggest? Turn it upside down, pick it up wrong, and then it's in your hand. So you say the bracha while it's in your hand, just like you would a drink, right? This way now you've said the bracha sa mitzvah, right, with it in your hand and the bracha is correlated to the mitzvah. Then turn it over and now you've held it properly and you, by doing that, have accomplished making the bracha uh, right before the performance of the mitzvah, what we call over la si yasan. Says that you got a hafak when you learn. You got a hafak. Uh, what do you call it? You got to turn everything over. Right. Is that the way to learn? You got to hafakba, If we turn it over, you'll find everything eventually. Okay. Now here's the thing. A couple of things just to just to bring it out. So the Tosfos that I jumped to prematurely just points out that this seems to imply that a baye holds. Uh, the, this is a baye suggestion. Mitzvah. Because after all, you could have just said, I'm not mechavan to be out to the mitzvah. Right? If mitzvahs require kavana, then that's the component of the mitzvah that you could leave out, the kavana. And then, once you make the bracha, you have kavana to be yotze. Uh, the fact that Abai doesn't say that implies that, what? That the minute you pick it up, even if you had no intention of being yotze the mitzvah, you are in fact yotze the mitzvah. Mashma mitzvahs ain't tzvichas kavana. However, Abaya himself holds that mitzvahs tzvichas kavana. So Tosa says, what gives? And he suggests an answer. Okay, this is all here. Another aspect is also, listen to this guy, as we're going to see uh, at the end or tomorrow, is... This is a situation where, where is this individual going? He's going to a mumcha to teach him how to shake lulav, right? This Gemara appears here in Rosh Hashanah, I think on Chavches, and in Megillah. Because those are the three things where we're concerned about Dalat Amos Meshusarabim. This is what Andrew brought up yesterday. The nuclear lundus of comparing Megillah, Lulav, and, Megillah, Lulav, and Shoifer. Those are the three things that are mentioned and in each and Sukkah, Rosh Hashanah, and Megillah. That's where those three are mentioned as being the things that we don't want you to carry, Dalat Amos, Mishas, Arabim, and it has massive consequences. Think about this. The shofar is, right, our conduit. We're going to be blowing the shofar. We blow it already. We're going to be blowing shofar. That's our conduit, so to speak, right, of Ritzui from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a mitzvah daraisa. Leave out Megillah because that's a Darabonan, but it's a Pirsume Nisa. Once you say Pirsume Nisa, all bets are off. I don't know how to deal with, you know, I, don't know, I can't contend with Pirsume Nisa. But let's compare, as Andrew did, Shofar to Sukkah. So you're comparing Shofar to Sukkah. So there's some differences, right? The Shofar really should be just about the care, you would think, right? And it's a public thing, whereas the Lulav is individual for everybody. Everybody needs to know. But without getting bogged down, because we do have to move, we could just say that. Uh, certainly with both of those cases, the issue is that you're going to a mumcha to teach you how to either use the shofar. I think that Rosh Hashanah morning is a terrible time to for, get your first lesson. That's besides the point. Or you're going to a mumcha to show you, so to speak, how to shake the lulav. So mind you, we have a very interesting individual here. This is an individual that forgot that it's Shabbos, right? But, rem- but, is, but is firm enough to know that he's going to hold the lulav upside down. Uh, at first, and then he's going to go, you know what I mean? There's details that he's aware of, details that he's not aware of. He's a, he's a little bit of a conflicted individual. He's, a, he's an enigma, shrouded in mystery, wrapped in a riddle, this, this individual. It means that he, he's doing contradictory things. In other words, he's a, enough of a Tamachacham. I mean, he's not just Tom walking around carrying his keys 
on Shabbos. He's carrying a cheftzah mitzvah that he wants to learn how to use. And yet this basic concept that today is Shabbos has sort of slipped his mind. He can't keep these two things simultaneously in his mind. He is what Rav Kalman Weinrib Shlita, my son's Rebbe, calls a yokel. Your son's Rebbe. <laughs> yeah, because son, I was learning this with Nachi. Nachi said, oh, Rebbe Weinrib called him, Rav Kalman called this guy a yokel. So I called Rav Kalman yesterday. I said, uh, I heard that this guy's a yokel. So he left. He said, you know, I told him that sheer Erev Rosh Hashanah. He remembered the fact that I said, called him a yokel. Last year, and the reason he's a yokel Goranowitz is because he's a unique individual. Just think of how we care about every member of Kali Israel. Because this individual is going to be confused about Shabbos, right? He's, it's, it's a rare breed indeed. A guy who knows Allah is actually running to a Rebbe to ask what to do, and yet doesn't know that it's, that it's, uh, that it's Shabbos. And it's this guy that we're concerned, because of this guy, we're going to do away with, let's say, the Tzikiyah Shofar and Shul that, that year in Rosh Hashanah, on Shab- because Rosh Hashanah falls out on Shabbos. Let's say he brought it, you know. Would you be able to say? On Shabbos, are you allowed to use it on Yom Right, so. Because he carried it. It's a good question. You know what? I, I would love to answer it, but I think I, think I, I am uh, spending too much time. Um, getting bogged down, but hopefully we'll get back to questions of that nature. Right. And by the way, we're going to hit Rosh Hashanah, God willing, after Beitzah, after this. So we're, get, we're going to get to it. After Sukkah is Beitzah, and then Rosh Hashanah, God willing. Okay. So Amar, I think. You like It's going to be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Amar Abayik, Shehavcho, right? That was the answer. Okay. Rava was in the base Medrash, wherever Abayik is there, and he says, Amar, Rava Amar, Afil Tamer Shalavcho, even if he didn't, Turn it upside down. He has a different suggestion that he carried the lulav with the kli. How does that help? Well, when you carried it in the, out with a utensil, you're carrying it in a way that what? That you're not yotze yet, right? You're only yotze when you're carrying it uh, with your hands. So ask the Gemara the question you might recall. Rava himself who's giving the suggestion of carrying it out with, some, with, with like a chatzitza with, on a plate, he was for the guy who said you could take your cloth or your gloves and carrying it, and that carrying it with uh, something in between is not a problem and it's still considered lakicha. So what's the suggestion of the plate? Says the Gemara, no, this, there's a difference. Where, he said before, only if you blot a go that you can carry with like gloves on, that's when you're carrying the lulav in a kavadika way. But carrying a lulav, let's say, on a tray is a little bit of a derech bizayin. It's, it's not a kavadika way. That's not the normal way you would carry a lulav. So here, ironically, carrying a derech bizayin actually saves him from the avera, um, right? Because it means that he wasn't yet yotze in picking up the lulav because he picked it up not with his hands uh, but with a tray. And because he did not yet pick up the lulav, He's not yet performed the mitzvah, and because he's not yet performed the mitzvah, it saves him from having to bring a korban chatas because he's preoccupied with the what will eventually, when he takes it off the tray and picks it up, which will eventually be the performance of the mitzvah of Netilas lulav. Why is it designed? It's like a king having a. a- uh, that's a great point. I think that's a good question. Carrying it on tray seems to be a very chash of a way, right? It, why, carrying it on a silver platter. Right. Okay. You heard that. Yeah, exactly. Silver platter is supposed to be the biggest covered. The answer is that you think that that's the most covered way because that's how you, that's how you do it, like in a banquet or on a pidyon aben. 
But when it comes to the mitzvah, there is no more kavadik away than the way it's supposed to be in the Torah, which is with your bare hands. You see that? The Torah is saying you that the covet is to do it the way the mitzvah is supposed to be and not another way. So it's true that a silver platter is not inherently and not kavadik away. But in this case, it's not the way the mitzvah is supposed to be performed and therefore you're not yotza yet. And so I agree with you. This this derech b'zayon is a is a very interesting, strong language. But that's what derech b'zayon means in this context. That's not the way the mitzvah was supposed to be performed. Okay. All right. So not having to bring a korban chatas when you're doing a um, a, a ver b'shogeg because you are on the way to perform the mitzvah was the topic of our mishnah. Is that always the case? Let's see. Amar Avuna. Omer hayav Rabbiosi. Rabbiosi would say, right? Would he say it like this? Uh, he, would he extend this concept to other cases? So let's see the following case. Agapaim. Agapaim is other birds that were, that in, in the base of Mikdash, you had birds that were set aside for Ola and birds that were set aside for Chatas. Okay? The Ola is supposed to go up to Hashem, as we know. The Chatas is supposed to be eaten by the Kohen. Right? So, what would Yossi do? He shechted an Ola bird. But sometimes there was such an overflow of the Ola, it was a various, without getting bogged down in the details, they, they were in somewhat close proximity uh, in the way they were situated, these birds, in the, in the base of Mikdash. So the Ola overflow flowed into the Chatas section, and so a Kohen inadvertently picked up a, a, a Ola thinking that it was a Chatas. Says the Gemara, Right? So the coin is eating the chatas. Well, he's actually eating an ola, but he thinks it's a chatas. That's the shogig there. So he thinks he's allowed to eat it, but he's not. It's Says like the, Peagle, right? Oh, very good. Right? It, it's not really Peagle, it's Me'ila, right? Yeah. Is he going to be chayev for Me'ila, right? So again, as Rashi sp- spells out, Potter, Mikorban Me'ila. Very good, Granos. Mikorban Me'ila, he's Potter from this Me'ila. Hoyl de im hachatas, Nim says, because he found it in the chatas section, mitzvah, and eating the chatas is in fact a mitzvah. That's the whole point here, that he's toy because he is occupied with the mitzvah of eating the chatas. That's what the pasuk is, that it's a mitzvah. You see that he was toy bidvar mitzvah, and therefore the korban is not going to be chayiv, the kohen is not going to be chayiv, the korban that normally is accompanying the iser of me'ila, because he did so b'shogeg, in the performance of the mitzvah of eating chatas. Those are the kind of mitzvahs I like, like Shal Shudas, Malav Malka, you know, huh. mitzvahs that involve eating are some of my faves. I'll anyway, like yeah. yeah. So my Kamash Malan, so what is Rav Huna teaching us here? The Ta'abidvar Mitzvah Pater, right? It sounds like Ta'abidvar Mitzvah would be Pater. Okay. Why are we bringing all this? Ah, oh. so Gemara says, why are we bringing all this? Hainu Hach. We don't need to say this. We already said in our Mishnah that a Tal B'dvar Mitzvah is Pater. So why are you bringing two cases of Rabbi Yossi where a Tal B'dvar Mitzvah is Pater? Gemara says that those two cases are different and that's why we have to bring both. Ma'udatema, you would have thought if it were not for Rav Huna's statement that Hasam Hudadar B'dvar Mitzvah Pater, that in the Mishnah's case, right, that he's Ahinu Da'avid Mitzvah. That's specifically because he actually did a mitzvah. In other words, in the case of the lulav, he was preoccupied with what? The mitzvah of performing Natila lulav, and that's a mitzvah he's actually going to do. 
right? Here he thought he was doing a mitzvah, but in reality he wasn't even doing a mitzvah. He was inadvertently eating korban ola, which he's not supposed to eat. So there, even, there wasn't even a mitzvah. So see, the two cases are different. One, he's preoccupied with doing an actual mitzvah. The other one, he's preoccupied with what he thinks is doing a mitzvah, but in fact it is not. You would have thought that in the case where he thinks he's doing a mitzvah, but he's not, so he has two shogigs, really, right? He said, well, he, the shogig is that he's eating the ola, b'shogeg, and the other shogig is, in essence, that he he's, thinks he's doing a mitzvah and he's not, right? Kamash Malan, that despite that, as long as you think, this is important, right? Important detail to add on. Thank you, Ravuna, for adding this for us. That as long as he thinks that he's doing a mitzvah, we're going to be off the hook for the korban. And that's why he's going to be off the hook with, for the korban me'ilah. Does anybody agree with this? Says the Gemara, Mesve. We had a challenge from the following Bryce. Rabbi Yossi Omer, uh oh. If you shecht a korban tamid that wasn't properly examined, there, okay, what's going on here? There's a section where, right, all of the korbanas had to be checked, right, pre authorized for, for shechita and korbanas. That's especially important on Shabbos because really the only reason you're allowed to do the Shechita is because you're doing it for a good reason, right? Of Karbanas on Shabbos, as we've discussed. So here, what did he do? He took from the non-Badat section. He took from a section where it wasn't clear that it was an animal that was ready for Shechting. And it turns out it was not good. It wasn't properly examined. There is Chayv Chatas and he's going to have to bring another Korban Tamid. So... So it sounds like, even though, what? He was preoccupied with the mitzvah of bringing karbanos, still, and he had no uh, real assurance that it wasn't going to work out because it was, it was not checked. So maybe it was kosher, maybe it wasn't kosher. So there, we don't let him. Then we don't say that he, we don't let him off the hook for the carbon. Why? We may, why do we make him bring a carbon chatas? Says the Gemara, because that case is different. Amar lei, bar mina de hahi. Leave that brisa aside for that discussion because it's not relevant. Why? The itmar Allah, because regarding that brisa, we said, Amar Shmuel bar Chitai, Amar Avnuna Saba, Amar Rav Yitzchak bar Yishan, Amar Avuna, Amar Rav, a string of Talmud Chachamim who said, Kigon Shevim Milishka She'enam Mevukarim. Right? I already gave it away. In other words, when the guy is bringing it, right, from the non Badats section, as it were, the unchecked, so that's not excitement, Rashi explains, right? The mitzvah that you're allowed to do that's pottering you from the korban chatas or from the korban me'ilah is when you are excited and it's an honest mistake. But this is what Rashi quote calls karv lamezid. This is just carelessness, right? You're not supposed to take the animal from the wrong section. You just like, this is more like he was too lazy to wait or to walk the extra mile, so to speak, um, figure of speech to go to the Badat's ones and it was too crowded over there or whatever reason, it was more convenient for him to take from the non-checked section. But that's not a shogeg. That's literally being lazy and karavlamazid and therefore we're not going to say that it, he did so because of a pure preoccupation lishma with the mitzvah, but rather when he did it out of his own convenience, we're going to say you bring a korban chatas. There's even a discussion whether you'd have to bring a korban chatas even if it turned out that the animal was kosher. That, you know, like in other words, his intentions are so not pure here that it's, you have to, as the Gemara says, you have to leave that case aside. But, yeah, they were bringing the korbanos 
during the week and also on Shabbos and Yantiv. Uh, for themselves as well. Uh, this is right. So it's Korban Yochid and, and Korbanos Tzibur um, as well. In this particular case, right, we were talking about the Korban Tamid. Okay. So now we're on to the next Mishnah Goranowitz. The Mishnah says, with regards to Lulav, Mekabels Isha Miyad Bno Miyad Bala. Okay. What's going on here? Well, interesting. Yeah, a woman. Oh, women shaking Lulav. So. It's a mitzvah to say Shazman Grama. They're not Machuyev in it. There's a Machlok between the Sfarid, the Shulchan Aruch, right? The Sfaridim and the Ashkenazim about whether they make a bracha. Now, remember, when you make a bracha, you say, when you make a, well, well, so, so that's the question. That, that is very relevant to our Mishnah. Because really you would say, well, what's wrong with holding it? Not only that, some would say that they're, in fact, Mekayim uh, and mitzvah, they're just not mitzvah. It's ain't no mitzvah but it's still a mitzvah, so to speak. You would think mitzvah is your command to do it and you do it. No, but there's such a thing, this becomes very complicated in terms of the women's, right, um, fulfillment of mitzvahs that they're not mechuyavin. And uh, like I said, the complication bears, bears out in whether you even make a bracha, right? How do you say the nusach, asher kichanu mitzvah if you weren't so mitzvah? So you could say, well, the, the Shulchan Aruch will say, you could say Vitzivanu, right? Because, Rambam, because he really generally, a Kaddish Baruch Hu commanded all of us. And so the women could say, right, we are included in all of us. But did he command the women specifically? No, it's a Mitzvah Seshas Mangarama. Okay, so with that background. Because the women ra- reform rabbis. Uh-huh. <laughs> rabbi women in charge of the school. Right. I mean, they're in charge oh. of the school. They got to say it. Okay. Do you think we could finish it off in 15 minutes? I think perhaps we can. <laughs> so with that in mind, a guy comes home from shul with his lulav and gives it to his wife. So the, the Mishnah says she could take it from him. Either it's her son or her husband. He's bringing her the lulav. He's done with it. She could put it back into the water on Shabbos. Mind you, this is not watering, right? Uh, she's not watering it. It's, it's, already, um, it's already taken out of the, out of the ground. Right. However, Rabbi Yehuda Omer b'Shabbos Machzirin. Rabbi Yehuda says that on Shabbos you could put it back in the water, and Beyontiv you could do more. Beyontiv Mosifim you could also add water. Uven Moed Machlifin you could even change the water. So Rashi is explaining that why can you turn it? What, what are the issues here? Says the Rashi. Right. You can't add Maim on on Shabbos. Right. And you can't certainly can't change the Maim on Shabbos because that's going to be the Tikune Mana. Tikun Mana is. Right. In order, why are you doing so? In order to, to fix the lulav, tikkun mana is one of the um, one of the isurim of Shabbos. You However, you, you don't shake it on Shabbos. Why you don't put it back in oh. the water? However, we're, we're going to get into this. We're going to get we're going to get into this. It's a great, great, great kasha. Okay, happens to be bismana there. We don't. But in those days, if Shabbos was the first day of Yantiv, you would shake it on Shabbos. You see that? Okay, good, good point. Yes, if it, was, if it was the first day. As the previous Mishnah discussed, it was, because it's a mitzvah, it's not muktzah. Now, Rashi said, It's a mitzvah to freshen out the water because it's not an Avera and it's actually a nice, a nice thing to do in order to freshen up the Dalad Minim. Okay. And the Mishnah concludes, uh, A whole giant new sugya with regards to the chinuch of the mitzvah of lulav, that a child who knows how to shake a lulav is going to have a chiv. Who's the chiv on? On the kid? Presumably it's on the father. Okay. Um, 
And there's an irony here, right? Because the child knows, if he knows how to shake a lulav, then he has to do the lulav. So what is chinuch after all? So we're going to get into all this. So the Gemara says pshita. It's obvious that a woman could take a lulav from her husband. Why would you, what's the issur? What would be the problem? The Gemara answers, You might have thought that since she does not have a chiv, a mitzvah of shaking lulav, maybe she can't accept it because it's muktza for her. If it's a mitzvah, Goranowitz, then it's okay. Obviously, it's not muktza, you're supposed to do it. But if it's not a mitzvah, so then maybe it is muktza. Rashi connects it to the bracha. It's unclear. I would have said like this. In other words, it's a real shayla. If she's doing it a shame mitzvah, so then it shouldn't be muktza. The only thing I could say is maybe she's returning it. Uh, Ravari Lieber, it's a great Dafyam master, was totally perplexed by this and didn't have an answer seven, seven and a half years ago on Shushan Purim. But I will say this. Wow. Maybe it's a specific case where she's not taking it shame mitzvah. She's taking it from her husband and she puts his coat on the coat rack, the hat on the hat rack, and the lulav in the water. See what I'm saying? She's not doing it l'shem mitzvah, she's doing it to put away. Well, if you're only doing it to put away, and not to be yotza the mitzvah, so whereas for a man, he's mitzvah all day, and he doesn't, whether he has kavana or not, so then he, it can't be mukta for him on that day, no matter what he does, so to speak, unless he, uh, right? But for the woman, since she has to have kavana to do a mitzvah, so maybe when she only has a kavana to put it away, it would be considered mukta for her. That's what I think might be a shot. Kamash Malan, the Mishnah says no, that despite that, you should, she is allowed to carry it. It's not muksa for her. She is, in fact, allowed to put it away. That's the Havamina, that's the Maskana. So now, last part of Mishnah. Katani Yodela Nanea, what's this issue of Chinuch? Tanur Banan. Katani Yodela Nanea, Chayev Belulav, Litatef. So when a child reaches a certain age of Chinuch, he's supposed to do all of those things that he is capable of cognitively doing. So if he knows how to shake a lulav, he's chayev. He's atif chayev betzitzis. He knows how to cover himself, he's chayev betzitzis. Lishmor tefillin, aviv lokech An Interesting idea here. Once he knows how to take care of tefillin properly and to treat it respectfully, his father starts, that's when you start buying him the tefillin. Um, interesting, he's, he's, Tosfos gets into this. Does he have to buy, a, when is it that you have to start buying the tefillin, start buying the lulav? Tefillin are a little different. They're very expensive, is one of the terutsim that Tosfa says. So maybe you hold off until you know that he can do it in buying it. Whereas the lulav, you'd get it right away. Okay. Yodela daber, aviv lomda Torah kriyashma. As soon as he knows how to speak, his father's going to teach him how to, Torah and kriyashma. Ask the Gemara, Torah, Mahi, what do you mean by Torah? Amar of Amnuna, Torah, I still remember Zaidi. Uh, with the grand, uh, Allah Shalom, with the grandchildren on his knee, saying that pasuk over and over again. Kriyashma, as long as he, as soon as he could speak, you teach them Moshe and Continuing in that Gufo. So if the kid knows how to write, more or less watches his body. al Gufo Taros. So now we're talking about right in those days. It wasn't just kosher, non kosher. You have to have everything tahar. So if he knows how to watch himself then you can trust him. If he knows even how to guard his hands, which as Rashi explains, it's even harder because the hands are everywhere all the time. Then you can eat taros that came in contact with his hands. And if he is bright enough that you can ask him and interrogate him about whether or not he was tame, then in Rishus HaYachid, if you have a suffix, It'll, you'll still treat it um, right, lachumra. However, right. If you have a doubt, you can consider right tahar. And and furthermore, hayodeli fros kapav. If he's a kohen, obviously these are these are cases where he's a kohen and he knows how to do cholkin truma Meaning, if he's old enough to duchin, he's old enough to eat truma. Right. 
and keep it to each room publicly and keep it to her. Says the Gemara, if he knows how to shecht an animal, then you can eat from that shechita. Every line here has right a whole lumdus shear on it. But here the question is, right, with regards to shechita, it's a fascinating idea. We want the shechita to be done, and we want to make sure that it's performed properly, right? We had a whole shaila about even a, a, a right, a, even a, a nachri doing this. But here we're talking about a katan. If a katan knows that a shecht, as long as somebody's watching over him, then the shechita itself can be kosher. Amazing. All the issues here. How about yochel echel kazayis dagon? This is already getting into uh, the hemshech of the brisa. Again, different uh, stages of coming of age. So this is where you start eating solid foods. The diaper starts to look differently. It's right around where my granddaughter Tehila is getting there. Once she's eating solid foods, changing the diaper is a whole different experience. And therefore, there's a halachic ramification, which is that normally, if it's just an infant that's nursing, so then the tzoa is not quite as right disgusting. Rashi, it's uh, it's more potent, right? When once they start eating solids, until then, you don't have to be marchik, right? Daladamos in order to do all the davening that you need to do. However, once they start eating solids and the diaper is starting to look funkier, then you would have that uh, halacha um, in, in Hilchas Brachos of being able to say Kriyashma or Tefillah and having to distance yourself down Amos, to which the Gemara interjects, That's only if you could eat it pras, but not if he's eating a little bit, a little bit at a time. He's not there yet. Right, but one, he's, once he's already like bar mitzvah, you know, so then it, even if he's, for whatever reason, eating like small shiurim, at that point, that's so you're going to have to distance yourself from. Because we have this pasuk in, in um, Kohelis of all places, right? That pasuk says sometimes knowledge is painful, right? Wow. We know that's a famous, famous idea. Because uh, sometimes the truth hurts, Goranowitz. Uh, and you see, you see the state of the world, and it can be discouraging and painful. That said, they apply it here to say that when you are older and of greater cognitive ability, so then it's going to also come with an increased, uh, an increased responsibility, and the diaper stinks more. It's kind of like almost an allegory in a sense, right? That the, the longer you live, you see more harsh realities of life, and you have to be able to, to, to keep, you know, to keep things... Um, in perspective, as Kohelis does. Okay. Well, that's that. The Kohelis brings that up, but then Softavar Kol Nishma, the ability to be able to do mitzvahs uh, and to and to be a bar das to do the mitzvahs better is a great schus indeed. Anyway, Yachol Echol Kazais Tzli. If the cotton can eat a kazais of something roasted, Shochtin Alavet Pesach, then you include him in the Korban Pesach. Shenemar Ish Lafiach Lo. Right, we said in the Pasuk, the Korban Pesach, everybody should eat according to what he eats. So he's already in the Parsha, so to speak, of eating. He's a fresher now. You bring him to Papa Gaio's all you can eat, and he, you have to pay for him, right, as a person. Now, we can't, we're not going to include him in the, in the Shechting until he's old enough to know, right, what is and is not edible. In other words, he might eat it, but he has to know that he's eating something that's edible. And Ketzad, how do you determine that? Right, he knows the difference. He doesn't just stick everything in his mouth. He'll throw out the rock and he will hold on to the nut. 
Hadron Alach Lulav HaGazel. We were Zochet to learn this incredible parak of Lulav HaGazel. May be Zochet to learn it again and again in all its depth and breadth and continue to learn the rest of Shas together. Woo! Next Mishnah, chapter 4. Lulav Arava. What's going on here? Okay, we're going to talk about the different days. This Mishnah takes up most of the page. Let's see if we can get through the Mishnah and then we'll analyze it Bezrat Hashem tomorrow. Lulav Arava Shisha Veshiva. So the Lulav and the Arava. Right, this is the, 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 the Dalminim and also the Hashanahs. We'll talk about that. That sometimes is six days, sometimes seven days in the days of the Mikdash. We'll talk about that. Halal ve'asimcha shemone. But you say halal eight days. This is where you start realizing that Shemini Yatzeret is in fact another, is another added day. Fine, I'll give it away. If Shabbos falls out on the first day of Lulav, so then you're going to do the seven days. But if Shabbos falls out any other time, you're not going to bring it. Right? And therefore, you're going to only do it six days. And with the Arava, it's Hashanah Rabba. It's talking about Hashanah Rabba. We'll learn about Hoshana Rabba the last day as well. Fine. Sukkah Venisah Chamayim Shiva. Right? You have the Simchas Beis HaShoeva and the Sukkah and, the, and, the, and the, also the water is going to be seven days. Hechalu Chamisha Veshisha. You play the flute either five or six days. Again, we'll explain. Lulav Shiva Ketzah. The Mishnah itself gets a little bit into it. Says the Lulav. Says the Mishnah, Lulav, how do you get seven days? Yontav Arishan Shachag Shachalios B'Shabbos. That's what we said. The first day falls out of Shabbos. Lulav Shiva, B'Sharkal Yamim Shisha. But if Shabbos falls out any other day, then it's going to be six days of bringing Dal Minim. Arava Shiva Ketzad, what's with the Arava? Hayom Shvi Arava Shachalios B'Shabbos. There it is, the Mishnaic reference to Hoshana Rabba. The seventh day, that very, the very important day. But it is a fascinating thing. Pesach has the first, are you coming? Right, Andrew's now his Panina got engaged. So it's gonna. This is where, yeah, yeah. Last night, Mazel Tov. So Mazel Tov to Andrew. Here's where it starts. The in-laws. Are you coming for the first days or the last days? So, so, so everybody knows Pesach has first days and last days. Sukkot people also say first days and last days, but don't you notice Sukkot is different? It has first days and then has Shemini Atzeres. That's not last days. That's the next holiday, right? The last days. Technically, what would be last days on Pesach is really Hoshana Rabbah. A whole hawk. We'll get into it. Okay. Arava Shiva Ketzad, Yom Shvi Shalarava Shachalios B'Shabbos. Right? So if Hoshana Rabbah falls down on Shabbos, you still bring it. And then for Arava Shiva, that's when you bring the seven days of the Arava. Ushar Kal Yomim Shisha. If Hoshana Rabbah falls out in every day, then it's going to be six days. So now the Mishnah says, what do they do when the first day of Sukkot fell out on Shabbos? Mitzvah Sulu of Ketzad. How do they do it? it? Fell out on Shabbos. We already described this. Everybody would bring on Erev Shabbos all their Lulav to Harbais. And, you know, you have your, your Gabayim there. They're taking all the Lulavim. Arranging it nicely. However, the Zikanim, they put it in the special room. They're getting VIP treatment. And the way they did it then is, you know what? It's too much, too many people. Have you ever been to Birchas Kohanim and Sukkot? Bezrat Hashem, it should be this full this year. We'll see. But it's packed. And so for everybody, if you're going to spend uh, time on Shabbos morning, everybody identifying their lulav, you'll be there all day. So instead, they did a different shtick. They said, Whoever, whatever you get, I'm giving it to you by Matana. I'll have it you in mind. So the next day, sure enough, they come to the Harabais. The Chazanin Zorkin Osam Lifneim. Chazanim throw out all the lulavim. He says, "Here you go. Here the lulavim." So what happens? You've been around shul, lulav in the eye, classic sukkah injury, 
everybody, it's very hard. It's basically a spear. Uksharo, based in Shabbat, they sakana. So then the Jews saw this was a, a dangerous thing. So they said, you know what? Do the Natilas Lulav in your house where it's safe, and then come back, and then come here with your Lulav, and then we're going to discuss those details. So we'll start from the third line from the bottom tomorrow with the Gemara that analyzes this Mishnah with the word Amai. Yeah, it was looking ominous, right?